In this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, we have part two of our interview with Dave Durham. We discuss more in detail about the Golf Cartel Tour, as well as we do a quick fire nine with Dave. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. All right, we're back with Dave. And um, Dave, so we've, we've talked a little bit about G- the GCT Tour um, you often travel for these events, so they aren't necessarily in our backyard. You talked about Las Vegas uh, with the international coming up. What other tournaments so, uh, do you play, and what typically, how do you travel, and where are those tournaments that you yeah. set up? Because you are the commissioner, by the way, of the, and I don't know if they have mentioned that earlier on. Dave is the commissioner, so he kind of invented and created essentially the, this with his, with his buddies and, and really has been the master behind it all. Yeah, it's it's been an organic um, uh, kind of journey um, over the 18 years or so. As I said, we started out, uh, nobody had any kids. Half the folks weren't even married. Um, we used to do, guys would come in on Friday. We'd do 36 holes of gross stroke play on Saturday, another 18 on Sunday, and then everybody would pile into their cars and, and, and get out of town. So um, kids came, marriages came, and, and, uh, and ultimately guys who... Um, played on the tour were frustrated that hey they could never win an event you know if they yeah. were a, a 12 10 or 12 handicap and, and the fact that they were being shamed that they were playing sure. 50 <laughs> sure and and so and so over time um uh, the the tour has evolved with a lot of input from the players um with the whole idea behind kind of increasing participation so that we'd have uh, guys who would participate um to to really where it is today and that is ultimately um, a series of events. Our first event uh, every year is the International, and it, uh, it, it surrounds what is our GCT winter meetings. So we have, uh, we have meetings out in Las Vegas where we talk about rule changes, where we talk about what we're going to do with the tour. So we have a couple Are you guys going to be recording that stuff a little bit more live moving forward? I mean, I really feel like there's, there's an angle there. There is, but we haven't historically. The, getting your tour card is, is a little bit of a privilege. And so, <laughs> so we have, we, we have uh, kind of, over the last few years, kind of moved more to exclusive events where we have guys who are more uh, wedded to the tour and yep. play in a number of events. Um, we've instituted, if you come and play in your first GCT event, uh, you play at 25% of your handicap. Oof. So if you're a 10 handicap, you play at a 2.5. Um, wow. And, and, and ultimately, what that does is it, well, it, it gives you a chance to experience a tour event. You're probably not going to win. In fact, to, if you do, it, it, screw you. And so, But the idea, too, is... Yeah, but even if it, you're a 20, there's no way yeah, at you a get, 5... Yeah, play as a 5. And so, you're, there's no way. But you get a guy who's invested now in the tour, and yeah. now he wants to come back and play more events, and he wants to do it, so that you don't get a guy who just shows up for a random tour event who goes, hey, Jim invited me, and he shows up, and he wins the event. Nobody ever sees him again, and his name is on a trophy, and that doesn't make any sense. I like it. And so um, so, so we have developed over time, and, and, and really we're making a move this year um, we have, over the last 18 years, played all of our events. So it's the GCT International. Um, it's a 36-hole stroke play event, which is the modified Stableford scoring system. So everybody's coming off of the winter season. Um, there's a, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a, uh, there's, a, there's a great score you can make, but ultimately, double bogey is the maximum that you can make. And so it's a big pickup event so that you don't have guys who are out there making 10s and 12s and, and other really kind of destroying themselves. So it's a great event for early in the season. Um, 
to be honest, its genesis was in 2002. I was living in Fort Wayne. I came up with this event. It, it was at uh, I was at Sycamore Hills. We used to have this Bubba Gump shrimp uh, event at the club, and so I came up with a golf event to play in that morning. But this is like March 12th or 15th in Fort Wayne. Oof. And so uh, our first three years, we had snow going on during the event. It was at Brookwood uh, Golf Club, which is out by the airport. Um, our first year, we had a guy who played on the Nike, played at Purdue, uh, played on the Nike Tour, um, and then ultimately became a lawyer in Fort Wayne. And um, so I, I, I think I sunk like a 35-foot putt on the 18th hole to push it into uh, extra holes. And it was a, the first hole is a par five, and he goes driver four iron onto the green and, and two putts and wins with a birdie. Uh, but but our but our first uh, our our first international champion was a, a a former Nike Tour player, and so so which was great. And so we then um, move on to the Masters, and so the Masters has kind of moved around in the Midwest. We've had it at Sycamore probably more often than not. Uh, we've had it played at uh, Olympia Fields. We've had it played at. Um, Bridgewater uh, Club one time. Bridgewater Club one time. We've had it uh, played kind of all over the place, but that's a 36-hole stroke play tournament net. So you make a 15, you make a 15. So guys are guys are playing, and, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, our U.S. Open event almost historically has been kind of in early July, and we've played that kind of all over the Midwest, up in Wisconsin. So we've played it a number of times at at uh, so we have but- Butler National was a site. Um, Olympia Fields. We've played it at uh, at Aaron Hills, Aaron Hills yep. um, and uh, and and up at Whistling Straits, and so so we've had some great venues for that event as well. Um, our British uh, uh, a couple of years ago was actually played in Scotland over four uh, Rota uh, 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 tour uh, spots, but there were only four of us that were playing. Um, but historically, it's actually been played out at Purgatory, so we've tried to play it at a you know kind of links ish style course. Um, we don't have a lot of respect for the PGA, so we do not play the uh, the PGA on our tour. Um, and and so and so as, um, as as you're not really PGA players either. Right. And so so so, yeah. so we've so we have the international, the Masters, the 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 U.S. Open, the British Open, and then we've also had this uh, GCT Cup that we've played intermittently over time because you get you have to get matching number of team sizes and things. But it's it's a lot of fun. And, um, and so uh, w- what we're now moving toward is we try to give our players a more premium experience over the year and kind of taking into consideration travel schedules and kids playing sports and all those things. Our goal will be to probably drop one of those events so that we will always have the international. Um, and the international will actually be, it will go back and forth. One year we'll play the international and the next year it'll be the GCT Cup. And so, so we'll have a Ryder Cup style event in exchange for that for that international. Um, we'll are, you, ha- are, you, are you thinking about implementing a um, FedEx type scoring system? You know, we've talked about that and kind of player of the year stuff. I mean, we have two players right now who over the um, who over the eighteen years of the tour um, have both won uh, twelve majors. Um, we've got a number of guys with a smattering, you know, we've got five or six, um, but, but it, but, but we, but we've never really had a, uh, we've never really had kind of a, a, a tour championship type event only because you just run out of weekends. I mean, ultimately yeah. the, the, the wives don't do a lot of the math, but if you, if you already add up the events I'm talking about, you're talking about five weekends a year and which is already 10% of the weekends. So so that's just for tour events. That's not even factoring in the club events and the things that you play in and things of that nature. So, so the um, the idea this year is that we'll probably have we're going to do the international, we're going to do the masters, 
Um, we're actually going to play the British Open in Ireland. So we've got eight of us that are going to Ireland in, uh, in August. And then we'll probably uh, move the U.S. Open. So the next tour event that will be played the following year will be the U.S. Open. So um, the guys did a great thing. My, my dad passed away in, uh, in, in 2010, and they named the trophy, the Paul J. Durham Memorial Trophy, after my dad. It's pretty cool. And so that's our U.S. Open trophy. Um, all of our trophies are, uh, are, are I've spent <clears throat> lots of thousands of dollars on our trophies. So it's, they're a lot of fun. How many majors do you have? I have 12. 12? Yeah, 12. So you're, you're, you're... I'm one of the two with 12. One yes. of the two? Yeah. So D- Dave's a gamer. So you're a tiger or a jack? Well, I, th- th- I probably have a different name uh, amongst our tour members uh, r- other than that. But, um, but yeah, so I, I comp- we, we have a guy who played college golf and, and who racked up a lot of majors during the gross... Uh, uh, Chop. Yeah, uh, Chad Allen, Chad Chopper Allen, who, who racked up a number of victories during kind of the gross period of the, uh, of the tour. Um, when he was one of the best, he's like two, you know, two or three handicap, and and uh, and has struggled to rack up similar numbers since we've moved to the net format. But um, but yeah, good player. Was there an uproar when you went to the the net format? You know, early on there was. There was kind of a purist. There was there was like, well, we're playing tournaments. Just put your ball on the ground and 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 let's and let's let's go. Um, but ultimately, I think that gave way to look. We have too many. If, if we tee it up and there are 15 guys in the tournament and there are really only four guys who can win and we're playing over a number of days, that's not a lot of fun for everybody. And, and, yeah. and Greg Strellis, to his, um, to his credit, pushed really hard for this, and, it, and, it, and it's been the best thing that we've done for the tour. It's, we obviously monitor each other's handicaps like... like, like, like <laughs> Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's taken peer review to a to a different oh level. Oh my god! Uh, but but I'll tell you, it's it's a it's a great thing for the tour. We've had some guys come out of nowhere to win tournaments, and it's a lot of fun. And and because um, a guy can put together a couple of rounds over thirty six holes, and and next thing you know, he's he's got a, he's got a major. So one of one of my favorite things in in following the GCT. So there's like a little chat group, and he's got even a Facebook page and stuff like that. Though is that. When any time GCT members get together not for golf, it's always for a, you know, off meeting, but to discuss Derm's handicap. And it, it's... it's uh, A subcommittee on my, it's on my sub, handicap. Yeah, what, is your, what is your handicap? Yep. What, yeah, what are you what playing it? to right now? What, what was the index that just well, came out? Well, the, there's a, there's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a top it, Didn't you drop one or no, you gained a, a it, shot. Didn't it's you? a hot topic of discussion. So, <laughs> so I, I played pretty well in the fall and, and, uh, and managed to get a number of rounds in, in Florida, uh, just before the turn. And so I, I, I jumped up, uh, over the last two turns, I've gone from a 5.5 up to an 8.2. So, which is a pretty significant shift. <sighs> So um, Florida golf is a lot different. Well, I, I will say that I, I've heard a lot of grumblings around Dave's handicap. This one definitely is a, a pretty big jump. But when Dave was up over a 10, I think that was probably the most dramatic the tour uh, like became around his hand. I mean, that was a topic of conversation at all times, basically, when you were up over a 10. It was a, it was a consistent Right, but I'll tell you, I, I paid for that. I mean, you know, you don't you don't get to that number without losing a lot of a, a lot of money, and and so you you pay for that stuff, and and then when it happens, you know, the the weird thing, and and 
I probably understand the handicap system better than maybe anybody. And but but when you <laughs> when when you hit a ten and and then you're able to take sevens or you have to take sevens. You know your table max is a is a mm-hmm. seven whether that's on a par three and and keep mind I spent I spent ten years at Wolf Run. And yep. and you've played you played out there and and you've played those par threes and and that's a place where you can well, make you can make sevens se- on par threes se- are easy. Par threes. Right. So do you um, does does the tour allow sponsor exemptions to come in and play? We really don't. So so really, you have to have a guy who really vouches for you in order to be able to get to play. Um, for the most part, we start the year, we issue the tour cards, we don't make a lot of exceptions. Um, if you've if if your tour card has been revoked. It's usually a special discussion that takes place in order to get back on and play an event. Um, new guys, again, we have this kind of handicap uh, hammer um, for your first event, which has been super productive and, and I think ultimately... I think ma- it's smart. Have you done guys, one, Mark? Because guys like it? me then can't win out the gate. Yeah. Has Mar- have you played one? Yeah, Mar- Mark's actually won. He's won a Masters. Won a Masters. I'm so, a blue cha- jacket champion. The, the, the thing with you is you could go in and if you got to do... 25% of your handicap, you might, it's down to a what? A, yeah, I'm a one? three now. Yeah, and, and, and keep in mind, we, we've, we've made some special exceptions because we have a, we have a, a teaching pro who's, uh, who's a member of the tour, and he, mm-hmm. he at the time was a, was, a, was a plus one, and so we moved him to a plus eight. <laughs> and so for his, for his first... Uh, for his first event. For his first event. And no, so, I, I think when I, the, the, the 25% rule was not in place. That being said, down the stretch... Even at at the time, I was playing at a two, maybe a two point three. Was it gross at the time? No, this was net. This net. When I played, and uh, when I won my my blue jacket, and uh, I will say I went down the stretch with Zach Miller though on that you that, did? that second eighteen. Absolutely, um, grinding and it some, out. Well, in some horrible weather. Oh, I mean, the it weather. Was, it was. And it, it was probably the only thing where like nobody really uh, probably cared at that point. It was. 30-something degrees out. It was right. snowing, I believe. It was. It was there snowing. Were, there was some snow. Um, and we were all just freezing, and the wind was blowing, and it was overcast. When was it this? was terrible. What this, year? God, this had to be what? Well, see, what, so Dave and I have known each other now about nine years. Um, yeah, how did you guys meet, by the way? I don't even know. That's a fantastic story. It, it, is, it, is, a, it is a fantastic story. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to get in the details. No, on no, that why, one, why don't but... you tell it? Tell it, Mark. <laughs> Go ahead. So... Uh, Dave and I have a mutual friend, uh, one that uh, uh, a guy Tom DeRue that used to work uh, for Dave when at, at Duke. Yep. And um, Tom is a fraternity brother of mine from Acacia back mm-hmm. in, the, in the Indiana days. And um, I happened to be uh, invited to stand up in uh, Mr. Durham's wedding, or not Mr. Durham's wedding. Sorry, Mr. DeRue's wedding. And Mr. Durham was the officiant, the officiant mm-hmm. of the wedding. So we were kind of both there in some type of a you know interesting stature for the wedding and we uh we bonded over golf our our wives got along and and uh became pals and um uh we had a we had a kind of a fun weekend down in where were we, we were in georgia or yeah right uh, what, what was the name of that island? island something uh, island down something, in georgia something island georgia yeah the fly there were these little like gnat flies that were flying around the whole ceremony david did a phenomenal not- job like being as professionally as you possibly could Whereas I, on the other hand, I'm like swatting stuff around the whole time. People are dying. Um, but anyway, so that's how we met. And then um, I think it took a year, though, before Dave and I really like kind of bonded to the point where he trusted that I actually like had a golf game. Because I, I think I would, he thought I was all talk for a while. Well, because, I mean, 
Mark was one of those guys who'd been shamed and not to not playing mm. very much. I mean, so all truth, the, right, right, yeah, truth, so, yeah. yeah. Going back to our I mean, other he's point. a guy who's a two two point seven, but he plays four rounds. You know, I look at he's got scores in his twenty from like twenty fourteen. So you know, that's a sad guy. That's a that's a guy. That's a guy you feel bad for. That's you just look at that and and the 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 card itself tells a story and and it, and it makes you sad. So you're like, wow, it is nice. We're six holes in, and he's he's found a groove, and turns out he is. He's a pretty good player. Yeah, pretty, and, good, yeah, player. pretty good player. He, well, yeah. He's a, you have a groove that yeah most guys can't keep with his lack as as much as you don't play. Right. That that's true. I you I got do. in the, you got in about as many rounds as I did last year. Uh, you probably got maybe ten more in than me, but I, I mean, think, I got in like forty-seven. Yeah, I think I was like maybe thirty-five or something like that. So how many did you get in last year? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ninety-four. 94, 95. Solid. Yeah. Solid. And, so, I, and, so, and, and, I'm, and we're going to take, we're, we're going to get, it's going to be over 125 this year. It's going to be over 125. So I've, I've played probably in a, a few Masters events. I've played in a few British events. The stuff that's been more locally, I haven't traveled as much with these guys. It's, I'm, I'm shamed to not travel. My kids are a little bit older, though. And as I've told Dave, you know, I think with anything, as he even alluded to the tour and why it's a one day event versus whatever. You know, these are his buddies that he's grown up with that, that are the core of the tour. I mean, there's probably 10 solid guys that play in just about every event. Just about every event, yeah. And, and then there's, there's a rotation of another you know, four to eight guys that kind of probably fill some of the other spots. Are you, are and then you from Fort Wayne? Yeah, grew up in Fort Wayne. And then when did you move here? 2006. Came down to work for Duke Realty. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a whole lot of fun. I can tell you the guys are – they're just – you know, one thing that I, I really like about, and if you're, as you get to, to know Dave, Dave's a, a very like confident person, right? And it's funny, the people he's surrounded himself with are also these kind of guys that are always trying to get under each other's skin. And to me, it's entertaining as shit to hang out with this group of, this group of dudes. And uh, the competitive nature of each and every one of them, that where they want to win these damn tournaments, top notch. I mean... I mean, it's fantastic. Well, Nobody wants to see anybody else win except for themselves. It's, fan- it's did, great. When did you start playing golf? Well, it's kind of funny. So I, I grew up playing tennis. So from about the time I was four until I was 18, I, I really did nothing but play tennis, tennis and, and basketball. And, um, and so I really didn't pick up golf until, uh, until college. My parents moved on to a, a small nine-hole golf course. I had tried to walk on and play tennis at IU and was um, – <laughs> was was uh, soon educated that I did not have the game that I thought I had. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll just I'll play golf and and took up golf. And that was something that I could do by myself or, or with, you know, some other guys, because the hard part with tennis, you kind of have to find somebody of equal or, or close to equal talent to really uh, play and have a lot of fun. And and golf was one of those things you could play with anybody. And um, and so for me, um, I kind of fell in love with the game because it was it's just consistently impossible and and uh and trying to figure it out all the time and 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 fun and and ultimately becomes the excuse you know i think if you look at this and you look at guys who have known each other for 20 some odd years and i can tell you that you know but for the fact that the tour exists we wouldn't we wouldn't see each other we certainly wouldn't see each other five times a year we wouldn't see each other maybe twice a year and so spouses and and people can say what they want and and it ultimately is fun and we we pass around trophies and do all those things but it's it's really a reason to get the guys together to spend time together uh to keep the relationships you know we know each other's kids we 
know all about their sports they're in. You know, everybody follows each other on all the various social media. So when we get together, it's 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 a family. And and for me, it it's a it's a it's very it's exhausting because it's a lot of work. But it's uh, it's very rewarding because I see guys that, but for the fact that this thing exists, we just wouldn't see each other. That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. And that's it. I'm going to end it right there because that's really why we brought Dave on the show. I think there that can be better for the game, um, and forcing the conversation of why it's important for us to have five hours with our buddies and stuff like that, and, and continue these bonds that last years and years. It's it's awesome. So, lifetime. Yep, lifetime stuff. So, Dave, we, I got a quick nine for you. Okay, got a quick nine questions. Just whatever you know. The the first thing that kind of comes to your comes to your mind, and we'll see what we can do with this. You ready? Yeah, fire away. Very very a la um, club pro guy. I was gonna say the emer- the E nine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we got. Uh, all right. Who do you think the most despised tour player is right now? I'd be hard pressed to find anybody other than Patrick Reed. I mean, I I feel like even the guys who even slightly like that cat don't really like that cat. And and um and you hear the story. So Patrick Reed for sure. Definitely Patrick Reed. Okay. Favorite course you've ever played? Um I'm going to say Kings Barns in uh in in Scotland. So uh it is like uh, Pebble Beach, except instead of having seven or eight holes on the ocean, you have 15 holes. It is, it's breathtaking. And a, and a close second, which people would mock, um, there's a golf course in, in Las Vegas called Southern Highlands, mm-hmm. uh, that at its peak when it was owned privately and we, we had the, the, the pleasure of being invited to play is one of the most, where you, where you come around the corner every single hole and you just say, Holy shit! This is in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, and you just, you, you just Southern keep, Highlands. What's it called? S- Southern Highlands. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it public? No. Okay. No. Very private. They sold to Pacific Dunes. He sold out, I think, seventy or eighty percent of the club, and then he bought it back, and he's bringing the club back. And it's, but it is, it's breathtaking. They, uh, they host a big collegiate tournament there, and we would always play the week after, and it was, uh, it's, wow. bre- it's breathtaking. Sounds yeah. awesome. Um, what's your personal biggest golf victory? I'm going to say um, a friend of ours and member of the tour, Ben Graham, who, uh, who has a place in Chicago, lives in South Dakota, um, joined Butler National. And I got invited to the uh, Invitational, which is their member guest uh, for his first year as a member. And, um, and Butler is a golf course that, but for the fact that it's all men and no women are even allowed on the property, would likely host multiple majors every 10 years. I mean, it's just, it's that it's, it's an incredible golf course. It's in Chicago. It's perfectly located and it's, it's really, really, really hard. And we, we won. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's to this day, it's my greatest golf victory. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, is sandbagging a legit issue or just part of the game? You know, I think, um, I think it's ultimately part of the game. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to get rid of it, and 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 you, you, you know these these two man team events. You know you invite clients to things. I mean, I, I had a client, and I still do, and I love him. And he would show up, and we would play the one day member. We we won four out of five years the one day member guest at Sycamore Hills, and and on the back nine, I think we shot 
26, 25 or 20, 25 or 26. And, um, and one year and, and, and he, to his credit, he plays four times a year, but he, he magically would pull something together and, and it Scotty would be, Irwin. it would no, uh, uh, Tony, <laughs> know, Tony Zarelli. Um, he's a great client and, uh, and he would magically put a game together and, and, uh, and I ultimately think it's fun. I think it's fun to take, I think you can take a guy who ultimately has a, a, a puffed up handicap who usually doesn't play very well. And if you can get him to play really good golf, um, I have another client uh, who played in the um, at Crooked Stick out here in the uh, uh, the BMW, and we played in the uh, the Pro Am the day before the event. And he's he's not a great golfer. He's probably a, a solid thirteen or fourteen. And and we and I, I caddied for him for the day, and we coached him around the golf course, and he played some of the best golf I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like and, when you get in the scramble and you just. Right. You get those guys to hit a few better shots than they've probably ever hit just because you're coaching them. And you do. You get them to think about the game differently. You get them yep. off their phones. You get them you know, where they're not distracted. It's a lot of fun. It's yep. a lot of fun. I got it. All right. I get it. Uh, favorite club in your bag right now? You know, I'm going to – I'd love to say it's my 9-iron because it, it used to be my 9-iron. Um but I will tell you that that I can do things with a with a three hybrid that it, it's the thing that probably exposes my handicap the most um, because I'm able to I'm able to execute shots with a three I can do things with a three hybrid that that a, a one or two handicap probably can't do with a three hybrid. Wow, that's deep. That's bold. That's deep. Does that allude to you know using hybrids around the green as well? I don't use hybrids around the green. Okay. And one of the guys on the Facebook Live mentioned um, you know the Texas wedge. I've made no secrets about the fact, and I've traveled overseas, and I've now played overseas um, and in Scotland, and and where the caddies are a little bit gruff and and a, and a little bit uh, skeptical about your skills. And I let them know. I'm like I I am I am a top. I am I am I am better I'm I'm in the top 10 players in the world from off the green with my putter. And and you have to you have to and they all mock you. But you know I played Oakmont, you know I I played the the third hole at Oakmont with the church pews and I I bladed my 5 iron over the green and the ball went down and it's 70 yards past the green down a slope and it's I don't know 25 or 30 feet above where where I was and I Give me the putter. And the guy's like, no, you, you can't hit the putter from here. And I'm like, give me the putter. And, and I hit it up to, I think, a foot and a half or two feet. And, and when we were in Scotland, we were playing these places. I'm like, putter. He's like, putter, really? And, and I'm like, yeah, really, putter. And, and, and so you, you have to spend some time convincing. You, you have to show them. And, and it's only after that that they, they believe it. But it's one of the – I can't wait. We're going to go to Ireland in, 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 in August. It'll be – hilarious and embarrassing for the people that we spend time with but but it is it's 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 a i'm as comfortable with a putter a hundred yards in um as anybody i I think you probably ever met i believe that i'm actually was i was actually this was like a setup question i thought i knew the answer before i asked it Mm -hmm. i thought he was going to say the putter because of your texas wedge game is it the three hybrid or is it the putter no it's the putter well, but I, well, all right. So you think your best club in your bag is somewhere between a nine iron and a three hybrid? And I would see. I was going to contest that it's your putter just because of what you were. just I mean, saying, I can but. do so many things with it, but I, I view I view the putting game 
completely separate from the rest of the game. So when you say so, club in my bag, okay. I don't view the You were thinking like, like full swing club. type of a, a club. club. Yeah, I'm taking a swing. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, All right, I'm yeah. following you. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. All right, so uh, what is the weakest part of your game? Probably the driver. Probably, I'm going to say the most frustrating part of my game has been the last few years with the driver. I think I went through a period, um, I'm going to say four or five years ago at Wolf Run, where I decided that it was really important to hit the ball a long way. And that was probably the the, the biggest mistake I made um, in that it, it kind of got my game kind of very disconnected and, and very inconsistent. And and I like to believe even if, if I can be somewhere on, on some grass that's playable toward the green, I can be really competitive. But I, but I, but it's really hard for me to hit it from where I have to hit it now, uh, given where my driver is from time to time. And so that's that's been the fight for the last few years. I'm, I'm going to give you my one pro tip. Choke down like two inches and just start swinging like that. Okay. There you go. That, try it. All right, here we go. Um, uh, worst GCT player that has somehow has a has a major win. Oh, at Scott Bailey, my brother-in-law, <laughs> is without without a, without a doubt the single worst uh, player who's ever won a GCT major. Yeah, I'm, like a twenty-one I re- or twenty-two. I remember I think, that. Yeah, that was, it out was at, I was out at yeah, uh, Purgatory. It was a, it was a British. British. Yep. It was one of those where we'd had a colossally horrible uh, drought in the summer, and so. Even though we're playing purgatory, you could literally hit it anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you you could the, hit the it. Grass would just it burned out. It didn't never, matter, no, yeah. right? And and he was playing hillbilly golfer. He's from Alabama, and it was frustrating to watch. He actually beat Thad Miller, which was fun uh, to see Thad lose to him. But um, what did he shoot? Gross for his best round. I'm gonna he say, was shooting. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like 80, 87 or eighty eight yeah. as a as a twenty one or twenty two. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll do it. That was rough. Will you ever win a blue jacket? I think so. I think so. It's it, at a certain point, it's become its own kind of weird um, thing. It's uh, like that. It's it's like Rory's green jacket hanging over him at the sure. Point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I so I've I've won, I've won three U.S. Opens. I've won five uh, internationals, um, and then uh, and then I've won four British Opens. And so the idea that that I that I continue to to be unable to hit for the uh, for the grant the career grand slam, that's a hard one. And it's but, a tougher one because it's like the first one of the year too. It is. I mean, so so one of the, I. It's kind of funny that I've had the success that I've had in the international, but yet struggled in the masters. But the international format benefits me greatly because you have a table max. So even on your most horrific uh, hole, you pick up and go forward. And yep. so. The hard part for me has always been that May round, the May couple of rounds. Usually it's weather impacted. Um, my swing is not great. I've usually started to think about stuff a little bit too much. And then, you know, quite honestly, it's gotten to me. I've had a chance to win, I'm going to say maybe two or three of them over the 18 years. And, uh, but, but when, when it's come down to it, there's never been a moment. I've never had a putt to win the Masters. Yeah. Well, I, I, wish, I wish you luck in that this year. Thank you, buddy. Be good. Thank you. Um, and lastly, are you willing to tell John the Irish National Bank joke? Oh, absolutely. All right. So guy walks into the Irish National Bank. He's wearing this hooded sweatshirt. He's got his face all covered up. And he's like, all right, everyone down I'm a rob in this place. And everybody freezes. He walks across the lobby, throws two duffel bags up on the countertop. He says, fill them up with all your cash. So the teller, she fills up the, the bags with cash. He zips them up, and he's walking across the lobby, and 
there's this little Irish boy, and you can tell he doesn't want to say anything. He doesn't want to do anything, but he can't help himself. And he jumps up. He grabs the top of the hooded sweatshirt, rips it back to reveal the guy's face. And the guy looks at the boy. He says, I lad, I wish you hadn't done that. Puts a gun right to his forehead, and boom, drops him to the ground. The guy looks around. He goes, did anyone else see my face? Did anyone else see my face? And everybody's staring down at the ground. They're so terrified. Nobody wants to look at him. But he looks across the lobby. And there's the teller. She's staring at him like deer in the headlights. So he lines her up and boom, drops her down behind the countertop. He said, you heard me now. Did anyone else see my face? Did anyone else see my face? And everybody's shaking and trembling. They're all staring down at the ground. There's this old Irish guy. And you can tell he doesn't want to say anything. He's so terrified. But slowly, he, he's keeping his head down. But he raises his right hand. He says, hi, lad. I believe my wife here may have gotten a glance. <laughs> Oh, oh the way Dave tells that joke gets me every time. I love it. Uh, it, get, it gets people rolling. It's fantastic. Um, uh, with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna touch briefly, real quick, on some equipment stuff. John, uh, your new Mizuno forged irons came in. You've been swinging them down here in the sim. How? What are we? What are we thinking right now? The new JPX 919 Forge Tours are excellent with the Modus Stiff 105-gram Flex are fantastic. Getting detailed. Got, so you got, you got fitted. Got fitted. And um, I, you know, how, many, how many shafts did you end up trying? Because you oh, were with the Mizuno so rep, right? I tried so many. I don't even... Was it, where, don't even where was the Mizuno rep at? He was at uh, Golf Galaxy. Okay. Um... And then, actually, uh, the guy that helped me the most was MJ at uh, PGA Superstore. Okay. So he put me through a ton, but I'd tried the the Modus before, and I just I liked, I, I just like where they kick, and I think we were talking about about this before uh, Dave came over of how much difference a shaft makes. I don't think they sell like they don't just promote yeah. shafts because they don't sell as much. When was the last time you updated your irons, Dave? Uh, I'm doing it this year. I'm actually, uh, so I've, I've got an appointment I'm going to do out at Club Champion. Um, I'm waiting until April, so the goal is to get some Florida rounds under my belt, play out in Las Vegas for a couple of weeks, hopefully play a few rounds out at um, Meridian Hills, and then go in and, and – because uh, I think I'm five or six years deep into my Apex irons that I have. Okay. So, um, What did you have Apex? What year? I'm gonna say the, the first year, like the first the f- first the year, Apex. yeah, the first year they came out after Callaway acquired them from Hogan, and um, so and I, I got them out at Wolf Run, and and I've loved them. Um, what shafts do you have in them? Gold Tipper. I'm gonna say no, they're the Project X, uh, mm-hmm. and I forget the I forget the weight on them, um, but I've had those for five or six years. Yeah, I think the the thing that we were kind of noticing, and they don't we, I don't know, it's maybe our perception, but you know, marketing on these golf clubs, they don't talk about shafts, right? They talk about forgiveness and distance. That's pretty sure. much it. Um, well, but, ultimately, they're, the, the, the manufacturers are marketing their heads, you know? I mean, right. You know, and ultimately, that's fine, but the, the engine is the shaft, and so if you're not properly fitted for those, and that's why, I mean, it's, it's a real deal. It's a real thing now. Um, Absolutely. We've, we've got guys playing some modified graphite shafts, you know, because of the lightweight material, and you know, we're, we're not all getting any younger. And so um, it's all about speed and it's all about, you know, kind of maximizing the benefit of the club heads. And, um, and that's with these great shafts. How did you like to feel those, Dave? 
You know, those are nice. I, I have I've never purchased a set of Mizuno clubs, and I probably played with guys. I'm probably I'm gonna say maybe f- ten to twenty percent of the tour guys that are on the GCT um, play with Mizuno irons. Um, are huge fans. We've got some guys who are big um, uh, Ping fans. I've never been, I've never been a Ping fan. I've just never been able to fall in love with them. Um, and then we, we've got a bunch of guys playing the TaylorMades. Um, almost all of our Vegas guys have just fallen in love with those irons and that look like kind of player irons, but they really are game improvement and there's a lot of game improvement in them. And, um, and they're a club longer. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real advantage. And, and I think when I got the apexes five or six years ago, they were half a club, full club longer. And I think there's another, we've kind of taken that, you know, drivers go through these monumental jumps every once in a while, every four to five or six years, and you see it happen. And and then from then on out, they're kind of just tweaking things. I feel like we're kind of in the tweaking stages of the drivers right now. There isn't anything that anybody yeah. is going crazy about. Their 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 marketing is different, but yeah. but the actual performance isn't that much right. different. Yeah, and so so, but but I do think the iron. Um, there, there's an interesting. Um, turn kind of coming at the moment in irons and the iron technology and there seems to be a lot of uh, focus and energy and and a lot of investment by the by the uh, manufacturers in the iron technology and that's where i think is if a guy's going to go out and spend his money this year that's where you want to do it well they're, they're even talking about these like player improvement right. type iron like right. that's like a whole new class of iron that's now like so a, it's not the blade it's like a right it's a bla- it looks like a blade but it's got you know more ap3s features ap3s are that yep those are I've got the AP2s um a couple well, years. Well, even old. the AP2s are kind of that. You know, they've got more of the you know, still cavity player. back and things like that. They're still player. I mean, yeah. you look at the AP3 and the AP3s fly. Yeah. They go farther. Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, the club game's great. We talk, we touch on it a little bit each week or or something as it relates to uh to uh, equipment. On behalf of John and myself, we really like to thank Dave for joining us. We didn't necessarily intend on this becoming a, a two-part episode, but uh, Dave had a lot of great things to say. So we did break it up into two pieces. Uh, at the end here, part two, John and I are going to do a, a, a taste test. And in honor of St. Patty's Day, we're doing a taste test of some Irish stouts. We hope you enjoyed uh, Dave's take on golf. And Dave, thanks so much uh, for, for joining us. All right, everybody. Well, we are back here. Uh, we are doing, uh, this is for part two with the Dave Durham interview. We are doing a blind taste test of, uh, because in, in honor of St. Patty's week here, as I'll call it, uh, we're doing a blind taste test of some Irish stouts. So we have three tonight. We've got uh, your, your Guinness stout, which is, uh, I mean, very familiar. Most people are very familiar with that. We have Murphy's, which is... Uh, you find it in probably more Irish pubs. You find it more um, uh, in, in less in in, uh, in stores and shops. And you obviously find it at a liquor store, things like that. But it's not as popular. And then lastly, we have a local brewery, Sun King Brewery. And I don't know if we've ever reviewed a Sun King beer or anything like that. Um, so, it's a, so we have a Sun King Stout, a Murphy's, and a Guinness. So this is Sun King's. Uh, Ring of Dingle, which is their Irish stout, essentially. So we basically have three Irish stouts that we're going to try. Now, what we've done here, so this is going to be not because we don't have a third party here kind of arranging this for us. John and I are just going to pick a random glass. We don't know what which one it is other than on the bottom of it. We labeled what it is, but because we brought them in here, they're random. We're going to try to guess by drinking it 
which one it is. So um, you pick one, John, and I'll pick one, and we'll kind of go from there. This one's got a little extra foam on the top here. It's all, they, all, they all have different foams. They all have a little bit different foam, so it'll be interesting here. This one has more of a coffee smell to it. Let me the see one that I'm drinking. See the top of your phone. Yeah, we both have this. We both did we end up picking the same one? Did you smell the coffee? I did. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this one. This is the Sun King one. I think this is the Sun King one. You think this is the Sun That's, King one? And I don't know if me and you have the same one. That's the one I'm gonna. Pick. I think this is the Murphy's. So I'm going. I had I, Murphy's was the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah. Because it's definitely not Guinness. It's not as smooth. It has a little bit more flavor to it. Um, but and I'm definitely does, getting the coffee. Did the Murphy's, when you open it, have the nitro? Yeah, it had something that made it kind of fizzle up. You know what? I'm going to call an audible. I think this is the Murphy's, too. Because of the way the foam is. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. Yep. The M. Yeah. Got the M under there. Yep. Okay, so we both picked the same one there. Tell you what we're going to do, because we're looking at foams. We're going to know what the other two are now because of the nitro. Oh, 100%. That's, I that's, think the tough one was going to be the Guinness and the Murphy's, but I think the coffee gave the Murphy's away to me. And I haven't had a Murphy's in a long time, but it was definitely the phone. Did you have a Murphy's when we were uh, at the Ryder Cup? I think that's what they were serving, um, but I don't think you got one. I know I did. Did they have a Boddington? Oh, I don't know. Did they have Boddington's? I like the Boddington's. Because it did that, like, kind of I had blonde. some. I had. There was, you know what? Maybe it wasn't Murphy's. It might have been something else. Anyway, all right, let's go for the other foamy one just because I think we both know it's Guinness. Definitely Guinness. 100% Guinness. Yep. Not, you don't have that heavier coffee. It's, it's, it's actually easier to drink than the Murphy's. I mean, I'm going to know Guinness taste from. Yeah. I think that was just going to be the thing. Like, how close is Murphy's to Guinness? But uh, now let's go. Now to this is now the ring of Dingle. You know what I like with us, even dingle. though this was blind. I think uh, I'm going to leave my opinions. So have you? Have you? Had, hold time out before you drink it. Have you ever had Ring of Dingle before? <laughs> I have not had Ring of Dingle. Okay, this is this is all right. Take a drink. solid right it's not like but it it doesn't have that nitro foamy yeah it's not the it just doesn't taste as stouty to me it, it's very we we've been drinking uh so um we uh, yeah so um it's good though it's very good i i enjoy it um it i i get it for because it's basically one of their seasonal kind of brews so i i always get it when i see it in the store this, this kind of year this might be um Oh, dude, it's right up My there. My favorite Sun King. Right. You should go stock up on this shit. They sell it in six packs. Ring of Dingle. Yes, the Ring of Dingle. I'll, I'll share some pictures. Um, this is really good. I love it. So we've been drinking. So uh, Sun King is probably, in Indianapolis, it's probably the most well-known uh, microbrew uh, in Indy. And if you're, if anybody's listening that's from St. Louis, it's the equivalent to the Urban Chestnut. Okay. Probably the equivalent. All right. So I've never been to the Urban Chestnut, but I'll, I'll had, trust have, you. You've had, you've had Zwickel, haven't you? Urban I don't know Chestnut. if I have. I don't know if I have. We'll have to try it. All right. Well, we'll have to try that. But anyway, so Sun King, 
Uh, they have what they, I, I will just, I'll run through their beers real quick. Uh, they have their cream ale, which I think is probably one of their most popular beers. Um, it's just kind of, you know, a yellow beer. I think a lot of people drink it for that reason. Their next most popular beer would be Osiris, which is, uh, it's technically like an IPA, but it's kind of a pale ale of sorts. It's a little bit hoppy. Um, I would say it's not as an aggressive as like a true IPA. It, it's, but it's more like a New England IPA. It's it's easy drinking kind of IPA, pale ale. Um, again, kind of yellow beer. Um, and then uh, Wee Mac is their other. So they so they have the Cream Ale, they have the Osiris, and then they have Wee Mac. And Wee Mac is their uh, Scottish style ale. And it's kind of more of that kind of like brown, you know, obviously kind of ale. John and I are huge fans of the Wee Mac, but that's kind of... I don't know, our palate kind of leans toward these kind of darker, heavier kind of beers. And uh, so we're big fans of the Weemac. And those are their three core beers. And then because they're a microbrew, they do seasonal things. And I think like for the local baseball team here, they do a specific brew just for them and things like that. But this Ring of Dingle, uh, I've had it before. And, I'm a fan. And I, I enjoy it. It doesn't, you don't get the nitro from the can, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it not doesn't. real coffee tasting, too. Nope. That's what I like about it. It reminds me of Guinness, but without that nitro foam, you know, kind of deal. It's good. Shout out. I like it. Shout out to the Sun King and the Ring of Dingle. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Um, Go out there, hit more greens. You'll score better. We'll see you. Thanks, guys.